Welcome back, friends, to the Level Ground Podcast. Whether you're from near or far, high or low, whether we know you, whether we don't, whether you're coming back for more or whether you're new, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us today on the Level Ground Podcast. We're glad to be back with you, and hopefully we can leave you with something today that will be a help to you and that will get you through whatever day you're listening to this, whether it's Thursday uh, the release date, whether it's later and after that, whenever it may be, hopefully something in this God can use to bless you and to help you through your day, through your week. And maybe we can encourage you just a little bit. That's the goal of this podcast is to encourage you and not only to deliver the gospel, but to strengthen what's there Uh, And we hope that it'll be a help to you and hope that it'll strengthen you. Last week, we left you with a little bit of a cliffhanger. And I know some of you are probably thinking, well, I want to know what those promises that I have made that I didn't realize that I have made. I want to know what some of those are. Um, Some of you may not. Some of you may, may not care. Um. But it is part of of what we talked about last week. But before we before we get into that, um, we do want to go ahead and do uh, maybe our little bit of housekeeping, as we always do. Um, don't forget about the Facebook and the Instagram Level Ground Podcast on Facebook, Level Ground twenty two on Instagram. Don't forget our email, Level Ground Pod twenty two at gmail dot com. If you need a Bible, if you want a Bible, if you know somebody that needs a Bible, if you're thinking about somebody that might possibly need a Bible later, whatever it may be, let us know. We want to get them a Bible. We want to get them a copy of God's Holy Word. Um, And also with that, don't forget, if you help us get the Facebook up to 500 followers, we're going to do a top five question Q&A. You get to determine what this episode is. You get to determine what topics we cover and and how that'll work is you put in you will we'll put a post on facebook you put in your questions whatever five questions get the most reactions those are going to be the five questions we use and we've got a special guest coming on to help us with that so if you want a top five q a you'll help us grow the uh grow the facebook that way we can get everybody involved and and it'll give us uh more of an opportunity to run across something maybe that, and maybe run across an, uh, a question that'll help us all out. Um, and we'll, we'll just try our best to get you involved best we can. Don't forget as well, coming up, uh, Tortoise, we've got, um, we've got special guests coming on to talk about different things such as, uh, problems in, in our churches. And, uh, we've got some people coming on to talk about anxiety and depression and doubting. And we've got other people coming on to, or another man coming on to talk about creation and evolution. So we've got some great things in the works. So stay tuned. And But until then, you've got to listen to me. <laughs> and uh, we're going to get back in to, uh, to maybe where we left off last week. And um, I know you're wondering what we mean by a broken promise and a broken faith and what we've titled these episodes. If we've, if God breaks our promise, our faith or our religion would then be broken. If we break our promise, 
then we have made ourselves, as we talked about um, uh, a couple weeks ago, then we have made ourselves fraudulent. We have made ourselves dishonest. We have went against what God has commanded us and God has asked us to do. And so we want to make sure that we keep those promises that we've made with God and that we've made with each other. And we're not really going to get into uh, maybe any intro much um, as far as uh, different history topics like we normally do or whatever, but we're going to kind of get straight into uh, the subject matter for today. I want us to think about something, and, and some of your churches may not have this, but um, most in my area, most Baptist churches have this, and 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 there's a document, and it'll be framed and hanging on a wall somewhere in the church. And I know for a fact that some people probably think that it's just a pretty decoration, but it's way more than that. Uh, this document that hangs on the wall in just about every church, whether it's in the front or in the back or uh, whether it's in a different area of the church or whatever that may be, every one of them will read something along the lines of this. Having been led, as we believe, by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and on the profession of our faith, having been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, we do now in the presence of God, angels, and this assembly, most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant one with another, with one another, as one body in Christ. We engage, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love, to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort, to promote its prosperity and spirituality, to sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines, to contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. We also engage to maintain family and secret devotions, to religiously educate our children, to seek the salvation of our kindred and acquaintances, to walk circumspectly in the world, to be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, and exemplary in our deportment, to avoid all tattling, backbiting, and excessive anger, to abstain from the sale and use of intoxicating drinks as a beverage, and to be zealous in our efforts to advance the kingdom of our Savior. We further engage to watch over one another in brotherly love, to remember each other in prayer, to aid each other in sickness and distress, to cultivate Christian sympathy in feeling and courtesy in speech, to be slow to take offense, but always ready for reconciliation and mindful of the rules of our Savior to secure it without delay. Moreover, we engage that when we remove from this place, we will, as soon as possible, unite with some other church where we can carry the spirit of this covenant and the, uh, where we can carry on the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. This document with uh, the many good things that are in it and the many challenges that are in it is known as the church covenant. It's the promise the members of whatever church it is has made one with another and with God and in the presence of God, and they've done it to hold each other accountable, number one, but number two, to make sure that they stay doing what God wanted them to do and what God wants them to do. 
Now, we look and we see all the many things that are in the church covenant, and um, we might think, well, somebody just wrote down or pinned down a bunch of a bunch of things that uh, maybe we needed to do better at, or maybe we needed to look at, or maybe we needed to act better about. And and by no means today are we going to get as deep in the church covenant as what we would like to. Um, but I do want to read to you a little bit of the history. Now, uh, you have. Uh, at one point in time, I believe you had more than one church covenant or a different church covenant, and it morphed as time went down. and And when it started, it was in the sixteenth around the sixteenth century. The church in England was confronted with the teaching of the Bible under the impulse of contentional Protestantism, engaged itself in Reformation, which disconnected it from many persuasions practices, and traditions of Roman Catholicism. So the first step in the development of this covenant that we have found was in the Protestant Reformation where where the church had pulled out from the Catholic Church and had separated itself, and it was disconnected and had became disconnected with Roman Catholicism. Had it not been for the Reformation period and what uh, ensued after that, we wouldn't have the church like we know and love it today. And that led through, or led by courageous feet. And I, and I just want to be honest with you. And this, and, and we want to one of these days get get into the Reformation and talk about it and really look at the things that's in it. I mean, these these guys had to go through all kinds of crazy things for the sake of the church. They were willing to endure persecutions. They were willing to, uh, some men even were willing to give their life for the betterment of the church. And through this courageous feat, it led to the separations from the Catholic church. And and long story short, you follow the lines down and you end up with our Baptist church that we have now. And the church went from being, and this is very, very interesting to me. The church went from being very territorial and it was divided by parishes and, and it was intertwined with the state and the government and it was run by a clerical hierarchy. And the clergy would take, and there would be certain levels, and 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 we all know a, a little bit of of how things were set up. But each area was well, they would have to go to church in their area, and they would have to go to a certain place, and then the state and government was intertwined into the church, and and honestly, all it done was was put a hindrance there put a big wall in front of the church, and it kept the church from achieving what the church needed to achieve. That's why they put in, they didn't put in maybe our Constitution in the United States, they didn't put and talk about the separation of church and state to protect the government. They put that in to protect the church and to safeguard the church because most of these people had heard stories and had seen how when the government got inside of the church 
and started to run the church, what kind of mess that would make. The church ought to be run by God, and God ought to be our head, and we ought to listen to God for all things. Not let some man tell us what to do, and let some man uh, maybe tell us which way we need to go and how we ought to act and the things we ought to do, but it ought to be guided by God. And all of this led to becoming a free church, free from the governmental uh, uh, the governmental chains, if you'd have it this way, free from all of this stuff. I mean, uh, the Reformation was a time, a very great time for the church, and I'm so glad, so, so glad that um, that it happened. Because had it not happened, and I, I keep saying it, but had it not happened, our lives would be totally different. Um, when it comes to our Christian walk. And it was considered the free church ecclesiology. It was the free church ecclesiology in which the church is mainly a free and voluntary local association of committed Christians, democratically self-managed. So basically they, they didn't have any outside force telling them who they needed to be, but the church took care of itself. The deacons and the and the pastor and the offices of the church were voted on in the church and taken care of in the church. It was distinct and independent from the state. They are Christians bound one to the other on the basis of a covenant and affirming a confession of faith. In the case of the Baptist movement, believers' baptism is understood as the seal of such a commitment towards God in one to the other. So you look at this time frame, what's going on here. When the church is pulled out from the Catholic Church and you found the free church ecclesiology and the the free church came out of the Reformation, they joined together under a church covenant, which is what we read to you. It was it was worded a little different, and we'll get into that here in a minute. But it was the, the church covenant, and then it was their profession of faith that they had believed in Jesus Christ, and it was sealed by baptism. Baptism by water is not equal to salvation. It's a sign to the world that you've believed on Jesus Christ. Baptism will not save you. Baptism will not... Uh, will not earn you a place in the family of God, but baptizing is an outward showing of an inward change. And it, it was sealed, and it sealed in this time, it sealed all of these things. And, and, and you look at what the king would do, he would seal it with a stamp, a stamp of approval, I guess you'd say. And that's what baptism was, was a stamp of approval. Hey, that this church has come out and it's separate and it's different and they have agreed to do these things. And the concept of the church as God's people bound by a covenant, although not new in the history of Christianity, was developed extensively by the Strasbourg reformer Martin Bucer and taken up in Puritanism by Richard Fitz. 
who established in London by 1567 a Christian congregation separated from the officially uh, sanctioned Anglican Church. He expressed the aspiration shared by many to establish a church free from the state interference characterized by what, uh, what are understood by the signs of a true church, biblical preaching, New Testament sacraments, and ordered by a serious discipline. So this man named Fitz, he would he would take and and we've taken a lot of notes today. So and and looked at a lot of things. So we're going to be reading a good bit because there's a lot of history we want to get out to you today. But this man Fitz, he he took and he understood that a church should contain preaching out of the Bible, out of God's holy word. If your church does not have preaching out of the word of God, if the message is not pulled out of the Word of God and in context and used in accordance with how God meant it, then it's not you're not having real preaching. There are two New Testament sacraments, water baptism, and the Lord's Supper. You go on and you look at the other things that uh, and he knew that the church should be ordered by serious discipline. What's that serious discipline, or, or what what do you mean by serious discipline? He knew that the church had to be kept in order. If the church was allowed to, and I'll put I'll put it this way: if the church would just live any way that they wanted to live and run and do anything that they wanted to do, the church would not have been as powerful as what it was. And he wanted to get something, he wanted to put something into place that pretty much the believers and the members of each of these churches or the members of this church could come together and could agree on as a covenant one with another so that it would hold them accountable and help keep them separate from the world. And Fitz wrote this as a voluntary covenant being thoroughly persuaded in the conscience by the working and by the word of the Almighty that the relics of the Antichrist, or that these relics of Antichrist be abominable before the Lord our God, and also for that by the power and mercy, strength and goodness of the Lord my God only, I am escaped from the filthiness and pollution of these detestable traditions." through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And last of all, inasmuch as by the workings also of the Lord Jesus, His Holy Spirit, I have joined in prayer and in hearing God's word with those that have not yielded to this idolatrous trash, notwithstanding the danger of not coming to my parish church, etc. Therefore I come not back again to the preachings, etc. of them, that have received these marks of the Romish beast. Then other writings, as, as now this is what Fitz wrote, 
and and you can see how Fitz felt about certain things that were going on in that time. But that was the first incarnation of a church covenant. Then other writings said things like this, that being come forth of this anti-Christian estate unto the freedom and true profession of Christ, besides the instructing and well-guiding of their own families, they are willingly... Uh, they are willing to join together in Christian communion and orderly covenant, and that by confession of faith and obedience of Christ to unite themselves in, into peculiar congregations, wherein as members of one body, whereof Christ is the only head, they are to worship and serve God according to his word, remembering to keep the Holy Lord's day. And these writings later morphed into what we call the church covenant today. Now, at this time, when, when these people had pulled out and they had pulled free and this covenant was established, the members of this church wouldn't just have to uh, be in agreement of a covenant and have a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they wouldn't just have to seal it with baptism but they would also have to walk in and each member of the church would sign this church covenant in agreement one with another that they would keep this covenant. That they would try their best to live this way, to do this way, to do these things. And so these writings we read to you were signed by the church and later morphed and evolved into the church covenant that we have now. Men came together through prayer, studying, and a zeal for the betterment of the church to compile this covenant. They came together uh, uh, so that they could have a promise among believers to hold them accountable and to hold them to a higher standard. They didn't just want to go into this thing all willy-nilly and say, well, hey, let's just live however we want to, do whatever we want to do. They wanted something, an agreement between each other. And each article was backed by the Word of God. And it served as a quick manual as to how a Christian should live. Pretty much they could look into this church covenant and they could see what the church covenant contained was pretty much a quick way to look and to see how we should live our lives. Now, yes, it's in the Word of God. The church covenant does not replace the Word of God. I'm not saying that. But the church covenant does bear an importance to us. We can look at that, and if we based our lives to live off of the church covenant, then we'll be living a good Christian life. And when someone would join the church, as we said already, they'd sign this covenant, and if they broke that covenant, they would fall under church discipline. So, what is church discipline? Now, the church has kind of gotten away from this a little bit um, in, in the age that we're living for the most part, and there's still some that probably do. Um, but when someone would break 
that church covenant, they were they were offered an opportunity to apologize to their fellow Christians, to make acknowledgments to them. Um, and it wasn't because they necessarily owed anything to the church, but it was because they had made a promise with their fellow believers along with everybody else in the church. And when that was broken, they needed to do the right thing for the people that they went in, they went into the covenant with and do the right thing by God and do the right thing as a Christian. And they had to make acknowledgments and to apologize to the church. And if they didn't, then there would be something that would that would take place as far as their vote in the things of the church uh, would be taken away from them. Or uh, maybe their voice to voice their opinion on the things of the church would be taken away from them because they never made acknowledgments and they never made things right with the church. Um, and then some even, the church would withdraw fellowship from. After giving them opportunity to make acknowledgments to the church because they've entered into this covenant, they've done wrong by the church. And the church honestly deserved an apology. If you've entered into a promise with somebody and you've not kept your promise, you owe them an apology. It's not that the church was trying to run them through the mud. It's not that the church didn't love them. But it's part of repentance. If you've done wrong, you ought to apologize not only to God and turn away from that sin, but you'd apo- you should apologize to the people that you've hurt and make things right. If you want to get back right with God, that's the first thing you've got to do is make things right with God, then make things right with other people. And if you've got an alt against your brother, you need to go to him and you need to make those things right. And that's according to, to not only the word of God, but it was according to the church covenant. And the church covenant isn't really held as to as high of a standard today as it was then. It's still to this day adopted by the church and is a promise members make to each other whether you realize it or not. Um, each one of these churches, if you see it in the church, and some churches don't even have it hanging up anymore, but it is adopted and in uh, maybe their rules and their bylaws and the church at some point in time voted on that church covenant and voted that would be the standard, that would be the rule, and that would be the promise that the individuals of that church would keep with one another. And so here you have this church covenant, this document that is in most of our churches, especially our Baptist churches, one with another, that we have entered into a covenant one with another, and you enter into that covenant even though we don't sign it anymore. When you join a church and you become a member of the church, the local church, not the body of Christ, the local church, and you become a member of that church, you have made a promise to them that you're going to uphold to the church covenant. And then it's sealed. Or the, by your profession of faith, we need you. You know, when you join a church, they ask for your profession of faith. They ask when the Lord saved you, and then it's sealed by baptism. 
And when you join a church and you're baptized, that seals the deal. And I dare say a lot of us don't realize when we joined a church that we joined and promised to keep those things that were written in the church covenant. When thou vowest a vow unto God, and this is Ecclesiastes 5, verses 4 and 5, when thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he that hath no pleasure in fools Pay that which has vowed. Pays that, pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. And a lot of people say it like this in our church. It's better not to make a vow than to make a vow and break it. It's better that you'd never made a promise than make that promise and break it. And this covenant, this church covenant that we have is so very important. It's been the rule for hundreds of years. I say the rule, but it, it's been the, the guidelines, so to speak, for hundreds of years of how the church should conduct themselves. And if you're a member of a church, you've got those guidelines there. And no doubt, if you look at the church covenant, look at the things that it contains, every one of us has broken the church covenant at some point in time. And, and even in the day and time that we live, we've probably not done like they done in the old days in the 16th century and made amends and made acknowledgments to the church. We probably didn't do that. And now, if we don't have to do it and, and we don't feel like we need to do it, okay, that, that's fine. I will say this, that if you've hurt somebody, just like we said before, you ought to be willing to apologize to that person to make things right with that person. If you've hurt the church, you ought to be willing to make things right with the church. But also, I want us to look and I want us to think, what have we done to break that church covenant? Have we broken a promise in there? Are we breaking a promise? Do we continue to break a promise that's in that church covenant because we want to have a good time? Uh, because we like to gossip about people and backbite? Because we're afraid of who we might have to help and how they might be? Or all these manner of things that are in the church covenant how many of us are are breaking that very frequently? And we talked to you last week about God's promises and God's covenants. And I don't know individual promises that anybody's made, but I do know that if you're a member of a church that has adopted a church covenant, you've made a promise one with another. And that is a promise that we have made and we ought to keep. If for, no, if for no other reason than to try our best to do for God as He would see fit. And just as God has made the promises that He made to us, 
we ought to be willing to keep our promises we've made to other people and to God at the same time. These are just a few of the promises and a few of the things in the covenant that we have made uh, or that we have spoken or that we have said and that we have agreed to. I understand and know that we didn't sign it. It's not a legally legally binding contract. It's not uh, something that if you break it, you'll be arrested. But if nothing else, what we wanted to try to do through this episode was bring our attention not only to where it come from, why it started. It started because the church was in a bad place. And the church was being run by corrupt people with corrupt ideals. And these people wanted to to reign over the church and to rule the church in a governmental way. And it was hurting the church. And when the church pulled out from there, they set these things in order so the church could have structure. And they done it for the betterment of the church. And when you join a church, you ought to try to keep that church covenant for the betterment of your church, for the betterment of your walk with the Lord. I'm guilty. I've broken the church covenant. I've done things against it. But I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. And and next week, we're going to try our best to get in and to dive into this thing and um, really kind of try and go from each thing in the covenant and, and look at the Bible that backs it up and the promises that we've made with each other and look at the Bible that, that goes along with it. And it might take two weeks to do it. Um, might take three weeks to do it, but we're going to try to get in there so that we have a biblical understanding of where the church covenant comes from and where the where it comes from in the Bible. Um, but I want to challenge you that if your church has a church covenant, go in, look at the church covenant, read the church covenant, and then ask yourself, am I living like I've promised these people that I would live? Am I doing what I promised these people that I would do? Am I doing for God the things that I promised God I would do through this church covenant? And I can guarantee you, if you will just try just to do some of the things that are in the church covenant, just some, and I don't want to say take part of it and leave the rest of it, but you just really try hard to focus on. If you're you're breaking more than one thing in the church covenant, just try to focus on one or two to do better with those. You get to doing better with those, start with a few more. And try your best just to live the best that you can according to that. And to keep the promise that you made, I guarantee you that you'll notice a difference. But if we break that promise, and we have a broken promise, that leads to us having a broken faith. If we've made a promise with the church that we're not going to do certain sins, that we're not going to abide in certain sins, now we are sinful by nature. We're going to fall into it. We can't help it. 
there's times that I want to not sin. I don't want to sin, but there are times that I find myself in sin and committing a sin, committing wrongdoing, committing wrong in the eyes of God. I found myself committing these things. But I have to make a conscious effort not to. Try my best not to wallow in it. Not to just sit down and pout in it. But to pick up, let the Lord clean me off, and then go on and keep on trudging and keep on walking. But if I sit there in a broken promise that breaks my faith and that breaks the light and that breaks the the view that the world has on the church... If we'd keep the church covenant, the church would be held in higher esteem than what it is now. And my favorite thing that the church covenant talks about is brotherly love. And that's an episode in itself. But I do want to say this. You might say, well, Grayson, why do you talk about the hard things? Why do you Hammer on sin. Why do you hammer on doing right, living right, being right? We told you in the middle there's a middle ground. There's a way that we ought to be. We ought to be willing to correct people and to help people back to the Lord when they mess up. And we ought to be willing to pull them out of the fire. If you see them sitting there in sin, wallowing in it, Go and pick them up out of it and help them. And I just know in myself that I've been that one that has broken promises. That has found myself in sin. I've been that one that's done things that I shouldn't do. And I don't want anybody else to be in that same place. I don't want anybody else to... uh, maybe be found sitting in sin and abiding in sin. And because of brotherly love, because of the love that I have for you in my heart, I want to help you. I want to help you along. And whether you're messing up or not, whether you've done something wrong or not, I love you. And I want what's best for you. And I I genuinely, 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 when we were praying about this podcast, that was where our heart fell. We wanted to help people along. Why? Because we love you. And I know as sure as anything, we've heard the stories of the revivals that happened and the things that happened back uh, hundreds of years ago and how the Spirit of God moved and how the Spirit of God worked. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if we as the children of God would keep this church covenant, number one, just as a starting point. If you don't know where to start, start there and have brotherly love one toward another. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt there will be things change. The church can be held in a higher esteem. And next thing you know, people will look at us and see where we are, see what we've got, see what God has done for us and how that God has changed us and how that we're joyful and how that we're happy and they will want what we have. 
And if we would just get to the place where we're willing to help our brother and to keep the promises that we've made one with another, then people can look to us and say, hey, they're doing what they're supposed to do. People are quick now to judge a Christian. If a Christian does something wrong, if a Christian sins, they're quick to jump. And even other Christians are, but especially the world is quick to jump and say, oh, hey, they've done wrong. They've messed up. Look at them. They're being hypocrites. But what we've got to do is, number one, we've got to remind them we're all human. You take and you cut me, I'll bleed red just like you do. But number one, we've got to remind them that we're all human. Number two, we've got to remind them that yes, we do mess up, but we have an advocate with the Father. And because we love them, we ought to try our best to not only explain to them how things are and how things work, because they don't know. You can't expect somebody that's lost, that's never been to church, to know and to understand how the church works. But start there. Start by loving on them. And when they're quick to judge and say, well, you messed up, look at them and say, I know because I'm human like you are. But say, I'm trying to do better. And I know this is a lot of just me talking about the importance of the church covenant, and this has been a lot of history and, and everything else, but we don't really have the time this week to jump into maybe all the specifics and all the deep things. But we're going to jump in deeper next week, and uh, I know we'll kind of leave off with another little bit of a cliffhanger, leave you wanting more for next week. Um, if you want to find out exactly what all these promises are, where they're at in the Bible, how you get to them, how you find them, whatever the case may be, what promises you've made and didn't realize you've promised, uh, tune in next week, and we're going to try to dive into that and to show you where in the Bible these promises are that we've made one with another through the church covenant. But that's it today for the Level Ground Podcast. Until next time, stay grounded, my friends.